Welcome to In Scripture Podcast. We're so glad to have you listen with us while we dive into Scripture and dissect God's Word verse by verse. Listen with us and don't forget to leave us questions and feedback as you journey with us through His Word. Welcome to In Scripture Podcast. We have another exciting episode. We have a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff to do. But the most important thing is we're starting a new book. So no um, more topics, at least for now. For now. A little bit. We have a new guest. We do have a guest. We're going to introduce him in a minute. Um, but before we start, we are starting a book. Uh, we're very excited. It's been, I think it's been a couple months we did a book. Um, and we're going to try to be, you know, very ongoing and fruitful with it. Hopefully not get into the weeds too much, but we'll see what happens. There's never any guarantee with any of us. So, um, and we're glad you, you can join us and listen with us. We're starting the book of Galatians. So today we're going to do a survey, some historical background, hopefully, hopefully dive into it. And we do have a guest. So Chris, tell us all about yourself. Advertise yourself. Time to do your plug. Advertise. <laughs> so, he's, he's Russian. I am, I am uh, I'm a redneck. Yes. Uh, not Russian. Actually, I am of um, English and German descent. And um, so anyway, um, I have met these wonderful guys at a terrific Bible preaching church here in Charlotte, Laurel Baptist Church, and uh, very thankful for the ministry there. And it's amazing to just see, you know, God's hand of providence in guiding my life and um, really putting people in my path, like like all of you guys at Laurel. And just how I came to be at Laurel was I was in a ministry for uh, four and a half years, full-time, uh, pastored church for three and a half years in uh, Virginia and then moved down to Concord, North Carolina to pastor church and was there for about six months. And uh, there were some differences and uh, struggles and things like that. And so uh, I moved on from there and uh, now I'm just working, uh, providing for my family. Uh, got three and a half kids, <laughs> got to actually one on the way, one in, uh, one on the cooker. And you're about to be really busy. That's right, man. I'm busy already. And, yeah. uh, um, so anyway, um, got three kids, four, two and a half, one and a half, and the other one's due in July. Nice. So, Hey, so this wasn't planned, but I think you'll answer it. What has been your biggest theological lesson recently that you've changed on? Maybe you had a different view on something. That's a loaded question. <laughs> and I feel like it shifted as you were saying. <laughs> um, well, uh, to be honest, I think, so the biggest theological thing that I shifted my thinking in, yeah, I would say eschatology. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the doctrine of last things. And but we're talking about Galatians today. So you ever meet one of those of people, that. you ever Come. meet one of those people who are all about eschatology? I, I, I do. I do. And, and, and honestly, I can, you're talking to one right now. <laughs> I can, I can appreciate what, um, Mr. Paul Washer says, um, that, uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ, when it happens, we'll all know. Yeah. So like, uh, other than that, we can kind of argue and discuss about where we differ and things like that. However, um, I would say that would be my main shift. Um, but, uh, but really, I mean, those are open-handed things that it's not one of those things that I'd be willing to break fellowship over and things like that. So 
That's good. That's good. It's awesome. It's awesome to have you here. Awesome to have yeah, you join us in, uh, in studying this book. Um, I think the opening episode might be sometimes one of the most kind of con concrete foundational episodes that you do is because when you're introducing a new book, there's you got to go over what this book is going to be about first. What are you to expect? You know, what what are you probably going to get out of it? And I think we have to discuss all those things. So, of course, as we kind of go into our conversation here, I'll ask one of the guys here to start with some historical background on Galatians. What do we got? Who wrote it? So we know Paul wrote it. We're pretty confident Paul wrote it because in the first verse, it says Paul, an apostle. <laughs> we didn't get to the verses you know? yet. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, You're so good, dude. <laughs> first word is Paul. Which so, Paul? Yeah. Paul the apostle. <laughs> Chapter 6, 11 also says that he wrote it with his own hand, Correct. which is a little different than usual. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. So we're theologians are pretty confident this was written by Paul. Uh, there's no debates among theologians like other books are. They're very debated, but Paul, like we're pretty confident, it's confident that Galatians were written by Paul. The historical background was uh, Galatians or Galatia, it was a region in uh, Turkey. It wasn't like a specific church. It was a collection of four or five churches. I can, um, I can read the names of them. Lystra, Derby, Iconium. And Antioch. And Antioch, yeah. Mm -hmm. So who needs a study Bible, dude? You got well, walk, <laughs> walking sidewalk. You got a walking encyclopedia here. That's why we have you here, Chris. Yeah. Well, come on, guys. I've preached through this whole book before, so I've already <laughs> so done he's all gonna, that. Yeah, yeah. How am I doing? I'm how am I doing? doing? <laughs> Paul did write it. Paul, yeah. Yeah, Paul yeah. yeah. We're on a, we're on track. I can uh, confirm. Paul talks in the first person. <laughs> so um, uh, Galatia was a region that. Um, Paul traveled to on his first and second missionary trip on his missionary trips. And he was the one that founded these churches. So they're very close and dear to his heart. He preached the gospel there. He founded those churches. He set them on the right, you know, on the round, right foundation of the gospel. And obviously he moved on to, uh, to plant other churches. Mm -hmm. um, during that time, over the time, Jewish people would come in mm. and they'd say, the gospel, yes, the gospel is true, but plus something else in order to be saved. And we'll read that it was circumcision. It was uh, obedience to the Mosaic law. It was adding things to the gospel. Mm -hmm. And when Paul heard of this, he was quite upset and quite, this was a big deal. And this is why he writes Galatians and why he's very, we'll see the language that he uses here. He's very upfront and very direct because the gospel is the foundation of the faith and he needed to set the record straight. And th this is why I'm really excited about this book because it's like, it's so deep and it sets the gospel right. Mm. And a lot of times growing up, there's, you know, growing up and hearing different preaching, it's some people try to pull you into other things, but we need to stay straight with the gospel. What is it? Amen. And what is it not? Mm -hmm. And th this is why like, we're going to, I think we're going to get a lot out of this book and I hope our listeners do the same. Yes. Anything else, Chris? Did I, did I miss anything? Oh, bro, you did great, man. <laughs> that was, that was a hammer historical background right there. So you brought up, you brought up growing up. Do you think, do you think the gospel plus things hmm. is evident or could be applied in our current life today? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think gospel plus what? 
anything. Anything. Yeah. Baptism. Now, now, when we say the gospel plus, what, what, why, why did the false teachers in Galatia purport hmm. the gospel's good, but you need this too? What you know? What was the point um, of needing to add to the gospel? What were they? What were they saying that? Um, they basically taught, yeah, it's the gospel plus. Well, well, why? What? Why isn't the gospel sufficient? Mm-hmm. I think it's it stems to jealousy, I believe, because if you read Acts, I think it's in thirteen. Mm-hmm. It actually says that the Jews became jealous, mm-hmm. and so they started to rout up the crowd, saying, "You need the gospel plus this, mm-hmm. plus so, the law." Why did the plus Jews the law. do that? Well, it was. Th- uh, the I'm supposed to be asking these questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to draw you, it out. You can't yeah. just, you know. No, we we, have, okay, we okay. have two surges. My bad, my bad, my bad. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Are uh, you sure? The Jewish people had a lot of pride, right? They would say, Moses is our father. Abraham is our father. The law came through our father. That's right. They're built on the, the their traditions and the law. And then you have Christ comes. He fulfills the law, and now you have Gentiles and the Jewish people in congregating in a church, and you have people who are like very deep roots in the Mosaic law, and you have Gentiles who come from the world. They don't know the they don't know the Mosaic law. They're not following the dietary restrictions, the Sabbaths, all those things that you know is very big deal in the Mosaic law. So you have these tensions that come together, and the the, the Jews have a very hard time letting go of those traditions. I don't think it's just necessarily pride as well. You can imagine you're a Jew, right? You grew 40 40 years, you've been taught one thing the entire time, and then someone pretty much upends your entire uh, religious history and everything that you've ever believed and just says that's no longer necessary. Mm -hmm. And then for you, you're like, what do you mean? Um, and then they're kind of stuck and hard headed in their continuation of following the law. And then there's, so they're saying also like, well, if God's the same as he was before and he is now the law still must stay. Mm-hmm. And then, so therefore I think it's also, um, ignorance as a result of what Christ did and who he is. And one of the things that we'll run into, I think in the book of Galatians, um, Paul bring, or not Paul, the writer of Hebrews brings this up a lot. Uh, the promise versus the law. Um, And so, because we see that no one is justified by the law. Justification does not come by the law, but Abraham was justified because of his faith Mm -hmm. and a Mm -hmm. promise was given to him. The law came 400 years after the fact. It's written in Galatians. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a showing that Christ is a continuation of the promise and is no longer under the law. The law is supposed to be a guide for us or a guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas once um, we are free from the guide and become heirs of or sons of God, we no longer need the, the law over us to rule over us. So there's... Well, yeah. it, as Paul talks about the law in Romans, he says that the purpose was the law was to point out your school, sin, school mm-hmm. teacher, right? yes. tutor. And, and so now that we have Christ, our standard of measurement isn't the law. It is now Christ faith. You were never saved by the law to begin with. Amen. And yep. that's the point he was trying to make. And that's going to be kind of partially the point here in Galatians. And I, I think as we look at Paul himself, 
pre-conversion, right, as he was Saul, he was very familiar with with the law and coming from his background, and he persecuted those. So he can he can kind of understand that side as as the author. Um, he can make that connection, and and we can tell that by reading Galatians. I think we'll we'll run into those things that what he's saying is not only something that he's known, but he's experienced before he was before he experienced and probably lived more than anyone right. else, any other Jew at that point. Yeah. So uh, him of all people to be look, talking about such things against the law um, shows us, hey, this is really the truth. One of the things that also sticks out, I think throughout the book of Galatians is the gospel. And the whole point of Galatians is the gospel and not necessarily just the gospel message, but living in step with the truth of the gospel or in accordance of the gospel. And so one thing that I think we've talked about and interesting enough, one of the sermons that we listened to recently, um, what is the gospel? Can anyone Maybe Chris. 60 seconds, go. (laughs) The gospel is that the Son of God became flesh, lived a sinless and holy life, and was crucified in the place of sinners, Mm -hmm. died, was buried, rose again on the third day, proving that he was indeed the Son of God and had no sin of his own, and now sits at the right hand of his Father, interceding for those that will come to faith in him. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Amen. And I think I think the implication here is that the gospel is... That was like 20 seconds, man. That was good. You got your elevator pitch down. Got all the, got all the <laughs> yeah. big rocks in there. Well, right? you heard you heard Brother Jared yesterday, so you were practicing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think the implication is, is that the gospel is not a beginning or a stepping stone or something you do first. It is part of everything that you do. It is part of your spiritual life, and it should be not only practiced, but lived through and, and also shown to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty much the entirety of our faith is the gospel. That's right. As Christians, yes. if that you should never as a Christian ever be tired of hearing the gospel message. When you hear the gospel message, it should actually um, revigorate you mm-hmm. into loving Christ into following Christ because of what he's done for you. So the gospel message isn't just Christ dying and being born again. But what Chris said is for believers. Yeah. I mean, um, so that way those who can believe in him right. can be saved. But and so it is a good message, a message of salvation. Mm-hmm. And you know, the amazing, the, the amazing thing about the gospel, as we know, and we were talking a little bit before we started recording about how not only is it the identity, the work, uh, and then the application of the Son of God and His atoning work for sinners. But Paul's going to say at the end of chapter 2, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. In chapter 3, he's going to say, they that are Christ uh, have crucified the flesh. Uh, chapter um, chapter 5, he's, um, he's going to say the same thing again about how we um, uh, walk in the Spirit and not after the flesh because our flesh has been crucified. So it's not only Jesus dying on the cross in our place, it is our old man. And, and our uh, sinful self being crucified when Christ was crucified and God taking what Jesus did on our behalf 
and applying that to our life and us living out uh, our lives according to that truth day by day that I, I'm no longer this sinful man that is bound by my sinful lust. That man is dead. I am alive in Christ. I, I have liberty to, yeah. to move forward and to love my neighbor as God would have me. I, you know, just all of these things. So it's not only Jesus and his cross, but his cross is my cross. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that, that's something that I've lived through just kind of in recent years. Um, I grew up, I li- heard the gospel, but it never clicked Right. that like, I have liberty now that that key was missing. I knew Christ died. He rose again. Mm-hmm. He's the son of God. He took on my sins, but like I still lived as if I had to earn my way. Right. Like uh, if I'd sin, I feel like I'm so unworthy. I'm so unworthy. And it always keep yourself down. But like once you realize and you believe the gospel that Christ took your sin and he places his righteousness on you. Right. Amen. That is so liberating. That is so liberating. And you have the vigor to serve Christ and you're no longer bound by that sin the shame and guilt and constantly moping in that. And the thing is, is our sin will, will deceive us into thinking you're still bound by it, Vlad. You can't overcome this. You can't. You can't get over this. You've done this since you were whenever, and 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 you have struggled with this. And there's no way that you can get over this. Are you even saved? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's what our sin will do. Yeah. But Jesus says, "Oh, what, no, you know." And 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 if we refuse to, by faith, appropriate what Christ has done, we will stay uh, bound up under the sin that no longer has a right on our life, mm-hmm. right? It is Christ that has overcome. Yeah. And yeah, I love how the freeing message of the gospel is that it's entirely the work of God. Yes. Um, what is the plus that we were talking about to the gospel? It's our own works trying to be put in or Amen. trying to be put in step with what God has done. As soon as we try to add our own work into this gospel message or somehow attain or achieve something of our own volition. That's when you start to pervert and twist the gospel. And that's what Paul was talking about um, in the introduction, but as well as the entire message um, that in his message to the Galatians was that is not the gospel no more. And then he clarifies what is the gospel and he goes back and forth. This is not the gospel. This is the gospel. And then, so again, it's the work of God entirely and it's not of our own work. Another key is um, the gospels preached. The Jewish people are like, how is grace and faith enough? There has to be some works. Exactly. Like you can't just preach grace and people aren't going to, you know, they're going to live like whatever they want as long as they have, yeah, as long as they have faith. The Jewish people didn't get that. They they needed those laws to almost like rails or a fence to keep people off the path. But here Paul is going to make the case is that no, the law, you know, is, is we're dead to the law. Right. Like we have to live by the spirit. We have to walk by the spirit. Mm-hmm. What we're going to read in chapter five and six. And you know, that very criticism mm-hmm. that is, well, if you just preach grace like that, yeah. well, people are going to run off the rails. That is a mark of true gospel preaching mm-hmm. because the grace of God is that good. And it mm-hmm. is that scandalous. 
And because if it's not the real thing, you will run off the rails and you will live a life of license and, you know, and, 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 but, but, but the true understanding of the gospel brings fear uh, to a believer's heart. It brings, um, uh, obedience to a believer's heart. It's mm-hmm. it's not something where we just run off the rails, um, but but that is indeed a true criticism of real gospel preaching. I love how uh, chapter three, when Paul is talking to them, his words seem so harsh, but yet the truth behind them is so real. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before mm-hmm. your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing from faith? Mm-hmm. Are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? And so s- some people also treat the gospel almost as if like it's that spark that kind of gets you started, but then you have to continue yeah. your own yeah. work. So he's saying, no, right. the gospel is enough not only to um, awaken you mm-hmm. into a new new creature, but it, it's actually the fuel that gets Amen. you going and con- continues to good. Uh, fuel you. It's the finished work of Christ. Yeah. Right. It's almost like, yeah, Christ died. He did, but we need more. But like Paul's gonna make the case, it's finished. But now I have to. Yes, now I have but to now work. now I have to. Yeah. No, no, Christ already did. Right. And it, it, it is believing that and, and living according to that uh, is, is what God requires and what, what, um, can you perfect about. the work of Christ? Can, can a <laughs> it's, person perfect it's rhetorical, the work it's of rhetorical Christ? Question. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Having begun by the spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? <laughs> right. It's such a, it's such a like, um, oh, I wish I could think of a good illustration right now, but like, yeah, I mean, having begun in a Tesla, are you going to get there in your Pinto? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, just it's, it's it, the, the contrast that doesn't even do it justice because it's a, you know, you talk about our flesh and it is that sinful, corrupt nature that um, can do nothing to please God. And yet um, it is the spirit of God that raised the son of God from the dead that now lives in us and empowers us to live the way we should. Yeah. So. Amen. So before we dive in, if I have read Galatians maybe briefly, as a listener, why should I invest all my time into this book other than the fact that it's in the Bible? Oh, I was just going to say that it's in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the obvious answer, but why should I be so interested in the Galatians? This, I mean, this, we're not we're not living I would in, say this is probably the biggest argument in scripture against legalism, yes. Mm. Um, improper fundamentalism and faith-based works or works-based faith. Amen. You know, I think the gospel factor you guys brought up uh, is an excellent kind of a reason to, Hey, how well do you understand the gospel and how high is the gospel in your spiritual life? Yeah. It's Paul founded these churches. He leaves for a short, short period of time and already it's already perverted. And you know, people come in and distort the gospel and like, it just shows how, it brings us back to the fundamentals and it says, stay on track. Kind of like Jared had that um, illustration. It's, it's a line through the middle. And then on one side, if you add to it, it's legalism. If you add to the other side, it's almost like a, like a seesaw. If you add to the other side, to the bottom of liberalism. it, liberalism. Yeah. And we're called to be in the middle, to stay with the true gospel and don't add or take away. And yeah. I think that's very practical for us. And I think this is why Galatians is in the Bible. The gospel, yes, 
is true and we should stand on it. And Galatians warns us of what not to do and to what steer away from what others have done in the past mm. and it's all, stay yeah. faithful to the gospel. I think it's also just a very true presentation of what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't. Yeah. Um, and also it's a good guideline for us Christians to figure out, Hey, where are we? Are we sticking? Like you said, to one side either. Are we too legalist or are we too liberal? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that really is important for us to take note, and I think we'll run into it when we do in verse six is um, when we, when the gospel changes, um, it's not just, you know, the gospel message, gospel message changing, but it's us actually deserting Christ mm-hmm. in this regard. So, we all ought to be very careful on our approach with the gospel when we talk about salvation. Um, because here it says, verse six, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you. Mm. He's talking about Christ mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Y'all remember um, this story, uh, I believe it's uh, in Second uh, Samuel 6, and First Chronicles, something another. Anyway, uh, it's the story of Uzzah, and when the Ark of God is coming back into Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and they put it on the on the ox cart, mm-hmm. and the ox cart hits a rock or something, and it, and you know it, it jostles the jostles the Ark, and so Uzzah, trying to be a good boy, sticks his hands up and tries, tries steadies the Ark. Well, they weren't carrying it like they were supposed to to begin with. Right, so that was their chief problem was they were not obeying God um, in the way that they were to be transporting the ark, which represented God's presence, His law, His provision, all these various things, His very, you know, uh, nature. Well, God killed Uzzah, and David got mad. <laughs> and what? David got mad. Yeah, David and, and yeah, right. Well, okay. So here's the thing, though the the gospel is like the ark of God. God doesn't need our help. Um, and if we think that we can kind of like, you know, uh, add to it or try to steady it or whatever, um, it is, it is, it is that Holy Ark that God doesn't need our help. We just need to be obedient in following him, um, and staying true to it, you know, sticking to it. And, um, you get off in a bad way when you desert the gospel, the true gospel. It's like, you know, Uzzah and uh, trying to steady the ark. Yeah, because you know? the law was that he was not allowed to touch it. No one was allowed to right. touch the ark. Yep. And that's what he did, try, yep. thinking he's doing a good thing. For sure, yeah. Right, and I think sometimes a lot with us, like we don't, God doesn't necessarily need us to defend his word, right? Sure. He just needs us to be faithful and obedient. And proclaim it, yeah. yeah. Even if it seems like what's about to happen is for the worse, but... Mm-hmm we need to be faithful and obedient to God. It's like uh, Spurgeon said, he said, um, you don't need to defend a lion, just let it out of the cage. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think another thing to watch out for in this, um, when we're looking through the book of Galatians also is, again, 
where did this influence of a different gospel come from? Mm -hmm. It wasn't necessarily those who were left inside the church, but there was outside influences coming in that were saying, no, 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 you need to add a little bit something to this. So the, those who hear this message and those who read it should look at it and see, am I in a church that is accurately preaching the gospel message? Because again, sure. it's very serious kind of like what you said with Uzzah, mm -hmm. when he touched it, he died, there was punishment. Mm -hmm. Paul says, if anyone is preaching a different gospel, right. let him be accursed. And that's, and that's serious. Mm -hmm. So the intentions could be good, right? Or mm -hmm. evil. Like yeah. these Jewish people, they could have came in, they said, hey, let, let's, let's um, tell people how to dress. Let's, let's tell people how to talk. Let's have, tell people what to eat and what not to eat. And it could have been true zeal from their yeah, side. Yeah, it could have been true that's, zeal for, that's what they grew for up the into. word of God, well, for no, God. I'm going to say right? no. But or there's it, it, other... No, you're, you're, you're so right. It is, but it is zeal that is, that is motivated by self-righteousness. By jealousy. As because, also could be ignorance. And, well, I totally agree. But as we're going to see, and as with every legalist, because I used to be one, okay, if you don't Weren't do we all? Yeah, well, and I mean, a legalist can be defined by, well, what should I do to appease God so that I'm right with him? That misses the gospel completely. Yep. But the point is... Sing in the choir. Right. Well, the point I'm trying to make... <laughs> Let yeah, the man finish. Right. Oh, sh shots fired. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is that... Uh, I lost where I was going with that. See, look what you the did. Zeal, yeah. zeal. The zeal. Well, it, it's, it's motivated by self-righteousness because, okay, if I say that, Serge, you need to be circumcised to be really right with God, but you say, no, I'm free in Christ. I don't have to be circumcised. Christ died for me. I don't need to keep the works of the law. Now I, in my thinking, in my being circumcised, I think, well, how can you be right with God uh, and not circumcised when I think that this is something I need to do to be right with God? So when you refuse to do what I believe I should and everyone else should do, you're, you're saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this is the badge of righteousness you need to wear too. Holier than thou. Yeah. But when you say, no, you don't need that, then it's like, well, what am I doing? You know, like, so, so, so now I'm, you know, I'm no more right with God because I'm doing this. You know, you can take that with Bible translations. You can take that with your dress. You can take that with, you know, any sort of things that you want to apply and add to the gospel and say, well, I'm more right than Alex with God because I do this. He doesn't do this, but I do this. So therefore I'm more right with God. That misses yeah, the gospel. Your, your self-righteousness is the driver for legalism. It is. it is. That is why we have so many different types of people out there that are holding on to so many things. It's because they get this kind of feeling in their heart that I am more holy or more righteous than somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's one of those things that's a distortion of the gospel at one, mm -hmm. but that's also a main driver of somebody because they take the laws sometimes higher than scripture itself and traditions. And, and to your point of Vlad, I, you know, either evil intentions or good intentions. I totally get what you're saying. And I think because they, they begin, they grew up in that yeah. and they, you know, it was well, all the Jewish knew. people. That's, right. that's all before they, they, yeah, before they yeah. ran into the gospel sure. because they didn't know the truth. I think yeah. from my viewpoint, I was talking about Paul because he even mm -hmm. talks about himself. Mm -hmm. He gives a good introduction and even like almost a historical context of himself, mm. how he came to the faith, where he got the gospel from, which we'll see in the first uh, two chapters. Yeah. I would, I would say the first two chapters are personal. Mm -hmm. Then the 
the chapters three and four are um, doctrinal, and then chapters five and six are practical. Yeah. You have a, uh, I got a nice alliterated outline too, Alex. You like this? <laughs> chapters one and two are the defense of the gospel. Um, the chapters three and four is the definition of the gospel. And then chapters five and six is the demonstration of the gospel. Hmm. So Paul is defending the gospel and, and, and in moreover, his personal ministry of the gospel. And then he's defining it from the law and distinguishing promise and law and covenants and all of that in chapters three and four. And then five and six, he's talking about walking in the spirit and, um, you know, living a crucified life. So it's, yeah. So as a good preacher would, let's dive into the word. <laughs> we could be talking about an overview all you know, one hour, but uh, let's let's read some scripture. As a as a good preacher, a 30, 31 minute introduction. <laughs> That's right. We just listened to That's one. That's a J Mac intro right there. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Um, so obviously, like we said, letter of Paul to the Galatians. And um, I think we can read from verses one through five, you think? Mm-hmm. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through man but through Jesus Christ and God, the father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from our God, from God, our father in the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. One of those classic Pauline introductions. I love it. There's already so much theology just in that introduction <laughs> that we can go mm-hmm. over. Paul introduces it from the very beginning with his own name, Paul an apostle. Um, I love that. I think I forget who it was. Um, I think uh, Jared was preaching a sermon. He said, you know, when you're having, when you're trying to, when we're, you're writing a letter in nowadays, usually you would say to Mark, mm-hmm. right? And then you would go, but whereas here at like the top of the page, the structures of the letters were different. You would write who it's from. So he would write Paul, right? So he would say Paul, and then he would also introduce himself, maybe even some of his credentials. And then one of the other things is in uh, verse two, and all the brothers who are with me. So he wasn't alone, right? So when he's introducing himself, he introduces himself, talks about himself here, and I think we'll get into that. And then he also introduces that there's other brothers with him, so he's not alone. Yeah, and I think one of the important aspects to hermeneutics, I think to any letter, is understanding the author. And I think Paul does a wonderful job, so does James, and so does other books we went over. Um, As a true believer, as a true servant of Christ, an author never puts himself above Christ, but he always puts himself below, you know? We remember James, right? James' introduction was very similar. He said, yeah, I'm a bond servant. And so Paul here kind of does a similar thing. He says he's an apostle, which it is a high calling, very high regard. I mean, an apostle had, uh, he had students, right? Oftentimes apostles had students. What makes you an apostle? What is an apostle? Yeah, let's start there. It's a person. (laughs) It's a sent one. Yeah, and so... Can I be an apostle today? No, you cannot. You can like on the TV, there's apostles. Why can't I? There's also prophets. You have yes. to have seen You have to have to seen Christ. You have to uh, cough up $75,000. And we'll send you a prayer. Sorry, sorry yeah. where are you getting this from? <laughs> buy this license. TBN. <laughs> oh, okay. Buy this license, and then you can self-proclaim yourself an apostle. Yeah. 
Will but, you give me the license if I give you seventy five thousand? Is that how it works? Or <laughs> we can talk about it after that. <laughs> well, an apostle, an apostle is an is a is an authoritative um, messenger, you know, <laughs> a sent one, one that is sent instead of another to proclaim a message. That's why he says, "Not sent from men." That's an right. apostle, not sent from men. Uh, nor through man. And already he's defending his apostleship because they discredited whether that gospel that Paul was preaching was the true gospel and whether, um, you know, it was to believed and it was credible and all that. I mean, Paul, Paul's apostleship was questioned throughout his epistles and he defended them throughout his epistles. And a, an apostle also was like an appointment, right? You couldn't just be, Oh yeah. No, you couldn't, I, attain apostleship, like climbing the ladder. No, it's, the not a, Pope. it's not a hierarchy or anything like that. It is a commission uh, directly and, and a gifting. Uh, it was a calling and a gifting um, and for a specific time. And it, it, it was really about God's revelation and utilizing the apostles um, that he sent to bring about uh, inscripturated Revelation, so the Bible. An apostle is one that's specifically commissioned by Christ personally himself. Yeah. The risen Christ. Yep. Yes. Okay. Um, I just wanted to add on to the part that you said that uh, Paul was discredited. And that is true because his time, at least his first minute missionary trip is where he spent a lot of time in Galatia for sure. Mm -hmm. But that's, you can find that in chapters 13 through 16 in um, book of Acts. And at the end of chapter 13, uh, where he was in Pisidia, Antioch, um, where many Jew, uh, many Gentiles believed and there were Jews there in verse 45, it says, but when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul, blaspheming Paul and Barnabas, uh, spoken by Paul, blaspheming. So they were blaspheming Paul and Barnabas and trying to discredit them. Mm -hmm. So that's why, mm -hmm. and of course they were- But why, why were they doing that? You don't ask those kind of questions. I ask those kind <laughs> oh, of questions. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> my bad. I'm sorry, yo, 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 chill, 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 chill. <laughs> we're sitting you on that side next time. Yeah, I'm sorry, I thought, I was, I thought it was a conversation where we were trying to Whoa. discover, we were trying to discover <laughs> truth together. I think so Serge feels let's, let's a little bit of tension. Quickly. Yeah. I feel threatened here, <laughs> my position. <laughs> My bad. Oh, I feel right. like I'll I'm about to be replaced. Sir, like, no, like, you're no. taking my place away? <laughs> I'm an apostle. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who invited you anyway? <laughs> I think you did. Uh, you were the first one, Serge. <laughs> <laughs> Mistakes for me. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just no, kidding. That's good, man. No, but go ahead and ask. Cause just, I typically do that. And so I just felt a little off. I'm just card. kidding. No, My but bad. seriously, don't do um, that. <laughs> Serge is just truly living out uh, what he just read. So th now, now I know what these guys feel like when I ask those kinds of questions. Um, there you go. He threw me out. Uh, so he, so that's why he was being discredited is because they're blaspheming out of ignorance, out of jealousy, as it says here. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, if you continue reading, he was driven out by these same people. He was stoned, presumed to be dead a few times. Uh, once uh, he was beaten. Sometimes he just uh, the threat was so great that he just. Uh, ran away himself to the next neighboring city and started preaching there. Mm -hmm. So it's not surprising that even during his time, his stay in the cities of Galatia 
he faced this opposition. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that once he was gone, people were like, hey, we need to uh, get rid of all his teachings and put our own teachings in there again. Right. So that's why, of course, like uh, it was said recently, like you guys already mentioned, you have to discredit the person first. That way it's easier to convince people that his teaching was false. Mm-hmm. Right. So here it's understandable why he would establish this as apostleship. I'm higher than you if I can stand on you. Well, you're already taller than me. So there's, but you know, what I'm say, you know what I'm saying? I tear down somebody exactly. else and when I stand on them, then I'm higher. Exactly. Yeah. I, that's, okay. that's what they were doing with Paul. Yeah. Good example that, I don't know, maybe at least to me, is founders of big companies. They're the founders. They have the vision for the company. Mm-hmm. And then later down the road, a new board is elected. And they say, no, that's not the, re- the direction we want the company to go to. And they remove him, the, the founder of the company, and they take it to a whole nother direction. That's kind of like here, he founded the churches. He had a vision. He gave them the gospel. Mm. Other people came in, said, no, what he was saying is it's good, but we need a little more. Right. I'll, I'll correct you. Yeah. Christ founded the churches. Well, good try though. And what I was, what I was, what I was just trying to bring what, out. Did I say, f- from, well, he said Paul, I'm, I know he I'm planted. Just, there is that what better. I, what I was, what I was trying to bring out from <laughs> Acts 13 though, was that uh, Paul was preaching and Jews were hearing him because he was preaching in the synagogue, but then the whole city gathered with Gentiles included in that. And the, and the Jews thought, well, man, we're, we're way better than the Gentiles. And Paul is even going to talk about that in Galatians. And it was when the Gentiles started to gather and believe on Christ and receive Christ that the Jews were filled with envy and jealousy and started to discredit Paul because Paul said, yes, the Gentiles too are on equal footing with Jews. It, it, there is no distinction. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't stand that. Um, that it was that free and that available to whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord. I'm happy we talked about that because we'll see that tension yeah. in uh, that's why the rest of the pretty much the epistle. Mm-hmm. Uh, just going back to it though, when we were talking about who an apostle is, specifically one who is commissioned by Christ, he appoints that out says not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. <laughs> Isn't it, is it, is, isn't it amazing how like, you know, the, we were just joking about these TV evangelists or whatever that get on and they're like, yeah, I'm apostle so-and-so. Um, and it is honestly, it is the crowds and the droves of people that buy that load of junk that really acclaim this said apostle to be one. And so it's, it's, so it's through man. Hey, that guy's an apostle. Yeah. Oh yeah. You should hear his preaching. And, and man, I'm telling you, he prayed for me. I, you know, I bought a hanky from him, whatever it might be. Okay. But, but, but notice what Paul says, along with all the opposition, he's like, man, I, you know, I, and Sergi brought it out. He, he was stoned. He was hated. He was uh, uh, cussed all these different things and discredited all along the way. But the opening line of Galatians, he says, I'm not sent from man, uh, nor through man. I'm an apostle, but not through any crowd or anybody saying, yeah, Paul's our man. We want him to preach to us. Paul said, no, 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 no. That's not who sent me. That's not my ministry. It's through Jesus Christ and God, the father. I'm not going to stick to tradition and jump to verse 10 for, am I now seeking the approval of man or right. of God, or am I trying to please man? Right. Right. That's Amen. like yeah, you were saying, exactly. yeah. those who are trying to please man context. and therefore they get to kind of get almost elevated to this leadership by the approval of man. Yep. 
Paul was not looking for that approval. Right. And we can see actually there was a lot of enmity towards him where he had to constantly battle and talk about it. So he was hated by many people mm-hmm. because of the gospel message that he was preaching, which was liberating and not being a heavy yoke that was tying people down. Yeah. And in contrast to, uh, like you were saying, TBN preachers mm-hmm. saying, I'm an apostle, they're led by these crowds. And one of their big things that they preach is that do not speak against God's anointed. Yeah, it's full. And it's it's almost like they they elevate themselves to such an ele- level and they're like, you can't even criticize us. You can't criticize our preaching, mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. But we see the opposite with Paul. He mm-hmm. he allows himself to get criticism and he uses the, bi- the, the scriptures mm-hmm. to defend himself. Mm-hmm. And like he's, you know, he... It's just it's such a contrast. It's just interesting to see in our modern age how people elevate themselves, but Paul here, he, you know, he, he humbles yeah. himself. He elevates God and yeah. he also elevates the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, jumping ahead, right? <laughs> Verse nine, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone's preaching to you the gospel, the ones received, let him be accursed. And I think he even says, verse eight, but mm-hmm. even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. So he's right. actually elevating the gospel message above himself. So if yep. I ever change anything about this gospel yes. message, I'm out. Right. It's yeah, it. don't listen to me. Yeah. If I, you know, I, I told my congregation, um, several times um, in the two churches that I pastored, if I ever depart from this book, you better, you better send me packing. If I ever, you know, if I ever depart and, and, and truly listener, you should know that if your pastor is not preaching, what saith the scripture, like line upon line, precept upon precept, um, you need to, you need to find a church that is right. Because um, Paul himself said, if, if I'm going to preach a different gospel, I'm I'm gonna lay this curse on myself, <laughs> you know. Let it be cursed, right? right. Yeah. Question: Who are the, uh, the brothers with Paul? Other dudes. Yeah. Likely yeah. those that were uh, on the first missionary journey. So Barnabas. Uh, yeah, probably Barnabas and uh, Mark, maybe. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, Mark and perhaps Silas, um, maybe. Well, Silas didn't come around until like uh, Acts sixteen. Yeah. Because that do, was, do we have a timeline like, for when this uh, book was written? I believe it was yeah. it was There's, one of the earliest books. Yeah, it's accepted to be his first letters, mm-hmm. but is debated when he exactly he wrote it. Some say it's before chapter fifteen of uh, before the uh, council in Jerusalem about the mm-hmm. circumcision stuff. Some people say it's after specific. But, well, yeah, specifically so, because verse six kind of says so quickly deserting. So it's right. almost as if he just left them. Right. Yeah. So it's it's definitely one of the first, but it's kind of debated exactly where, and also kind of which. Just an interesting uh, canonical, uh, like between books of the Bible, um, comparison and contrast, like Galatians and James being those uh, very early New Testament books written. I'd I'd say they were around the same time. Paul in Galatians emphasizes that we are saved. Um, by grace through faith without any works of the law. But then James writes and he says, we are saved by the grace of Christ, but it, it, uh, it is a faith that uh, manifests itself through works. And so there is that, that tension, not a contradiction, not, not any, any issue. They complement each other. They, yes, exactly. They complement each other so well. And, um, and a true believer will manifest uh, the fruit of the spirit in their life. And yep. uh, so anyway. Yeah, exactly. Chapter five, 22. Yeah, man. 
Come on. Yeah, but <laughs> if, if you want answers to the names of the people, you're going to read that in chapter 13, mm-hmm. verse 1. It gives a list of uh, uh, like five or six men who are... Can you read it? Is that when they com- were commissioned, they laid their hands yeah. on it? Yeah. It says, now there were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaean, who had been brought up with the Herodian, Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord, fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Mm-hmm. So they were together, mm-hmm. but they set apart Barnabas and Saul. Mm-hmm. To go for the to ministry I have for them. Yep. So we know it was more than just Barnabas and Saul because the word brothers is plural. So mm-hmm. Paul is including himself. And yeah. so brothers would include Barnabas amongst others. Yeah. Could it also be interpreted like Paul saying, I'm not the only one saying this? Oh, yeah. yeah. Other, oh, these definitely. other brothers yeah. agree with me. Yeah, We're both, I'm writing as well as other brothers mm-hmm. in agreement with me that you guys are not on the right path. Yeah. Well, it's like, I'm not on an island just saying this by yeah. myself. Yeah. Hey, it's, hey, you guys, it's me, Paul, and uh, all the brothers too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And here's here's the thing. You guys are in a bad way. Right. Y'all need to repent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I like I like how in this greeting, uh, Paul kind of even takes, I think, three different approaches to introduce Christ and God, or he kind of uses it as a foundational statement almost, right? He says, not sent from man, not sent from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ, the God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Verse three, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, second time. Mm-hmm. And finally, the third time in verse four, he kind of gives the gospel all in one. He says, Who gave himself for our sins, so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So he he, he saw a reason to have to tell them that in this letter as an introduction, as if they not only needed reminding, but they needed to hear the truth again, mm-hmm. anyway, right? Yes, and he's also not, I think there are Jews in Galatia. So he's not just saying Christ, but he's also including God the Father as well. So that way it's almost as if it's not alienating and saying, oh, God the Father is no longer important. Christ is the only one. That's not the gospel mm-hmm. message. He's actually talking, bringing up God, the father also bringing up that um, what you said about the gospel message was that he raised him from the dead right. on the third day. Yep. He's affirming that and that it was through the power of God that that was done. It's and, the, and the gospel is a Trinitarian gospel. You know, mm-hmm. you can't have the plan. You can't have the work of the son without the plan of the father. Mm-hmm. And you can't have the application of the work of the son without the spirit doing that work. Yeah. And I was just going to add on, he's using familiar language to them because mm-hmm. if you read chapter 13, which is a one of the probably many sermons that he said to the people at synagogues, but verse 34, he says, but that he raised him from uh, uh, raised him up from the dead, no longer to return to corruption. He has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and faithful, loving kindness of David. And then again in verse thirty eight, uh, he says, "Therefore, let it be known to your brothers that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you." Mm-hmm. So he uses familiar language that he's already right. preached to them before mm-hmm. to present the gospel to them again. Mm-hmm. I, and I think again, it's to he's make, presenting the same gospel. Yeah, right. To, to to solidify that gospel and again to I think not uh, re-accredit himself mm-hmm. as as an apostle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, one thing that I wanted to confirm is that there were multiple churches. It's an observation in verse two, right? Yeah. And all the brothers who are with me to the churches, and that's plural mm-hmm. of Galatia. So it wasn't necessarily 
Galatia wasn't a church. It was a region. It was a region that had multiple churches. Right. Which is the only letter that is addressed to a region. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other letters are addressed to specific churches. Yeah. So, and it's, Galatia was actually its own country at one point until it got conquered by the revelations Roman. addressed to multiple churches, but yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, <laughs> on the fly. Sorry. I was just thinking, I was like, are there other epistles? But I guess revelations, well, it is a letter. Revelation. I like, I like how verse Sorry. five. I thought it was the revelations. Give him some grace. Come on, guys. <laughs> Give him some grace. Hey, I was literally thinking in my mind when I say this, I have to say singular revelation, and the, it must have came the out. The funny thing is, anytime I say it, you got me. I wasn't. I wasn't picking. I'm just. It's. It's a pet peeve of mine when people are like, "I'm reading the Book of Revelations," and I'm like, uh, "The Revelation," and uh, it's you know, it's obviously singular. It is the revelation of Jesus. I, Christ, I always call people out. He calls people out, and it came back on his head. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, two others. Uh, did ashes, you read, what does it say? Did you, read the book, did you read the book of Psalms today? <laughs> or Job? Book of Psalms? No, but we are reading it in Epistle. <laughs> Apostle. <laughs> Epistle. Um, I like how verse five kind of seals his introduction in a way where he says, to whom be the glory forever, amen, showing that the glory is only to Christ, mm-hmm. only to him forever, amen. And that amen is kind of a, almost used as a as an end statement, like period. Like there's nothing more that I can add to this greeting mm-hmm. or there's nothing more that I can add to 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 the name of, of God and Lord Jesus Christ than other than what I have said here, that he rescued us from this present evil age according to the will of our God, the Father. Mm-hmm. And to him be the glory. And then he says, amen, to kind of like, that's it. There's nothing else you can add to that. You know, you know, what's amazing, like, um, and I just thought about this, like writing to a bunch of self-righteous legalists. <laughs> I like how you word that. <laughs> well, it's true, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. hey, man, I'm not going to mince words, you know. But he's like, uh, he gave himself for our sins that he might rescue us. Mm. Oh, that's such... And that was according to the will of our God and Father. So, mm-hmm. hey, by the way, um, you're not, it's, you know, it's not God's will that you, you know, do all you can to prove yourself to him and how righteous you are. No, it was God that rescued you. It was God that rescued us. We were the ones in need of rescuing. It, and, and, and that was God's will. Not that, uh, okay, line them up. Let's see who's the best. But that's what religious self-righteous circles do. It's like, I'm looking at you thinking, well, I've got a, you know, uh, I, I wore a suit on Sunday, so I'm more righteous than you are, brother. And I know it's the revelation. <laughs> but like, but, but, but truly that's what we do. That's what self-righteous religious folk do. When you brought up that word rescue, immediately had an illustration in my head. You're in the middle of the ocean on a boat that is sinking. Mm-hmm. And Christ is the one you had nothing left. Right. That's it. You're at the end of yourself. There's nothing else you could do. And he came in, he rescued you. He plucked Amen. you out. Amen. There's nothing you can add to your salvation. You were rescued, not by your own will, There's your nothing own power. Else you could do. There's nothing else. And I think this is per, like the words he uses here are just Dying so life. pointed. Mm-hmm. And then like it's, he's setting the foundation. He's like, hey, he rescued you. This is Christ's gospel. Mm-hmm. And then it, he's going to like go into disassembling their whole legalism as sh- we go down. Are you sure that's how it happened? 
What? That he blocked you? Maybe he threw in the light. Search. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to ignore you because it's not edifying to this conversation. Can I ask a question, guys? <laughs> yes. What do you reckon he means by this present evil age? And let me preface this because I think in many ways people will point the finger at the world and say, you know, the world is it's these times we're living in, guys, is so bad and all this and that. And, you know, it's only getting worse and all these kinds of deals. And, oh, boy, you know, what do you think he means uh, or what do you believe from proper hermeneutics and exegesis? What do you think he means by rescuing us from this present evil age? Can I connect with a passage? Of course. Second Corinthians 4, 4. In whose case the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light mm-hmm. of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Mm-hmm. So it's a time of time of where minds were blinded. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Well, it's, it, it sounds like it's speaking through ever since <clears throat> the fall of man till Christ comes and pretty much destroys the world. The ruler of the air, the prince of the air, the father of lies, this is his age to rule, right? It's not just us living in 2023 or 20 years ago or 20 years in the future. Sure. It's this whole... So so, so, so we're still in this present evil age is Absolutely. what you're saying. Yes. Yes. In what way? Define present evil age. Satan rules. It's, I his, think it's, it's, his, it's his kingdom. Until even. God's judgment and the new age. So I think that's also something that foreshadows, right? He's saying that there is currently an evil age, but there will be an age where there will be no evil. What if, what if it's the state of the world without Christ? Present evil age. He's, he's preaching the gospel here. So mm-hmm. the hermeneutic is present evil age is the, the world that does not know Christ. That is a part of their understanding. Like you said, they're blinded. Or you have another... Uh, all right, Chris, we all it. went. Now Chris. you got to give us the answer. Well, yeah. I don't know the please, answer. Please uh-huh. set us straight. I see your no, thumb in not. a different passage. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's not, you know, um, so I'm th- I'm just thinking just along Just tell the us who's of, more right. <laughs> That's it's, all not we want. That, it's not that at all. The scriptures are right. I'm just, again, it's one of those things that I think, you know, as you guys open up this book, it's important to keep everything in context. And he, he's so precise with his language that he might rescue us from, well, well, let's talk about how he rescued us he gave himself for our sins we could spend all night there but but uh, that he might rescue us from this present evil age well are we rescued or are are we not we are because our rescued s- souls are right rescued okay from and what? so we're yeah right we're rescued from what right so if we're rescued, um, and I, so I would define the present evil age as the systems and influence of the world and a sin sick world, right? So it's not like you guys were wrong in any way. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm. I'm in accord with you in this. In this understanding, I think it's just one of those things that because the gospel um, has been applied to our souls and our lives, our entire view of the world and life 
in general is different now. It is, it's, and, and that's only possible because he's rescued us from this present evil age. Um, and, and, and so we're no longer under the bondage and influence of Satan, of the world's pressures, of our own sin that indwells us. We are free from those things. We've been rescued from um, that, that all-pervading um, uh, infiltration of an evil age in which we find ourselves, we are, we are, um, we're in Christ now. We're out of that, right? We're rescued from that. Amen. So that's just what I was wanting to bring out of that. It's good. Awesome. I think, I think I'm ready to kind of uh, wrap up and get to prayer here, but just to give a brief overview, we've, we've talked about the historical background, kind of the reason Paul was addressing, uh, the region of Galatia and some of the churches there. Um, we definitely discussed, I think, not only the gospel, which Paul brought up, you know, multiple times, but the fact that his present, his greeting, his opening to this letter was one of, Hey, I'm an apostle, but you need to understand that I am sent by God, the father who raised him from, mm-hmm. from the dead. I'm not sent by men. I'm not sent through man, but I'm sent by him, by God. And so, um, not only that, he addressed that there was brothers with him that can proclaim the same thing and that they're, they're writing to the churches of Galatia, but the most important thing is in verse four, and I think that's kind of the key verse here. Is he mm. he he, he pr- brings up the the gospel here by saying, um, "Lord Jesus Christ," verse three, verse four, who gave Himself for our sins, so that He might rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God the Father, to whom be the glory forever and Amen. ever. Amen. Yeah. And so the glory is forever. Not only is it forever, it's forever and ever. Mm-hmm. And Amen is a kind of like that period that dot this statement is complete and there's nothing else you can really add. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we went over these things and, and just like we talked about earlier, if you're listening, um, this is a great opportunity to dive into this book to just like the churches of Galatia, they needed sort of a refreshment of what the gospel is. They needed to hear it again. They needed to, they needed to understand what's attacking them because maybe they were blind to it. Maybe they weren't able to see. Uh, but at the same time, it's an important reminder that, Reading, reading, reading a, a letter of Paul to the Galatians can help you understand that the gospel is not only the beginning, the gospel is all of your ministry and all of your spiritual growth and all throughout your day, um, you should filter everything through it and always preach it and always preach it to, the, to, to those who don't have it, but at the same time, preach it to those who already do. Yeah. Uh, random, random question that might foreshadow of what we're going to be reading to come. Mm-hmm. When you receive a letter from Paul, are you like, oh yay! I got a letter from Paul. Or are you like, <laughs> oh boy, what you, did I? How did I mess up so badly? You need badly? to find the closest seat and you sit down. You know what's interesting is uh, this is the shortest introduction that Paul mm. gives in mm. any of his letters. He's ready to get so, jump, so, so at first, right at first you're like ready, reading yeah. it and you're like, cool, grace, and then oh. it's like. Paul loves me. Yeah. And then you get to verse six. You're like, oh boy, I'm, I need I'm to in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it is his first one. So he's not as experienced. That's true. Yeah. That's true. He, he well, grew in grace. We'll, we'll <laughs> give him the benefit of the doubt. I love that. Um, grew in grace. Yeah. So those are some of the points went over and uh, brother Chris, you mind ending it with a prayer? I would love to. Father, thank you so much for these men. And I thank you, Lord, most of all for the gospel of your son, Jesus. Lord, thank you for rescuing us, Lord, and giving yourself uh, for our sins. 
Lord, you did not have to, but Lord, that was the only way that we might be rescued was you giving yourself. We thank you that the price that was required for our sin and reconciliation, Lord, that was a price only you could pay and you willingly paid it. Lord, we thank you so much for uh, the precision of the Bible and Lord, the um, the, the, the piercing nature of your word. God, we thank you for the ability to study it together, Lord, to um, be edified through conversation and uh, questions and just searching together. Father, I do pray for the listeners of this podcast, God, that you would strengthen them in their faith in the Bible. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would help them to gain clarity about what the gospel is and Lord, their liberty uh, in Christ. Lord, thank you again for this time. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. We hope God was able to speak to your heart so now you can go and share it with others. Feel free to leave any questions, prayer requests, or blessings. Join us on Instagram and share our podcast to others. And remember, always keep your heart in Scripture.